Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. Thank you for just giving me the opportunity to, to just come up and share what, what God's been putting on my heart, just prepping, kind of talking through um, these miracles that Jesus um, performs and, and just this, this entire series that we've been kind of exploring together this summer. Um, so thank you for just giving me a minute to be able to share what God's been putting on my heart. Um, really, really appreciate that. Um, if you don't know me, again, uh, Pastor Matt mentioned my name is Mason Trotter. Um, I, I have the huge, huge honor to be able to um, serve on the worship team here at Refuge, and um, that ministry is just incredible. I love the team. Um, God's doing some really, really cool things there, and I, I know we mentioned um, some audition opportunities, so if, if you have any interest in it at all, please check that out. We would love to, to have you on the team, and, and the, the team is full of um, just amazing, amazing people. So um, we have the, the, the pleasure of being a part of that. Um, my wife and I, we've been here with our three kids um, for the last couple of years. I think we have a, a picture of my kids. If you haven't seen them um, running around after church, they, they might have like bumped into you or something like that. I apologize for that if that's the case. Um, but so my, my oldest, his name is Grayson. He's, he's in the back there with a big smile. Um, that's his personality to a T. Um, my, my middle is my daughter. Her name's Sophie. Um, and she, she's a little spitfire, but she is the sweetest. So we love her. And then obviously our newest addition is, uh, Beckham. He's going to be 10 months, um, pretty soon. So pray for us. We've got a lot, a lot on our hands. Um, and then my wife is not in the picture, but she's down front over here. I just got to give her a little shout out. Um, we're talking about storms today, and if you really want to hear a miracle, every time that I come here and serve on a Sunday morning, she gets all three of our kids out of bed and ready and here most times on time. Um, so she's just incredible. She's been an awesome um, support, and like I said, if you want to talk about calming storms, try to get three little ones out the door and dressed in, a, in an orderly manner, so we love her. Um, thanks for the support. And then, obviously, we've loved Refuge. We've loved the, the people here, and I think that just speaks to the leadership of Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb. So we just, we love you guys. We thank you for your leadership and um, just the opportunity that you've given us to be able to get involved. And again, we love this church family. We're so just blessed to be a part of it. So thank you guys. We appreciate that. Um, so we're going to jump into things a little bit here. So just to kind of review from last week, we, we took a little bit of a break from the series that we were in, um, the Summer at Sea, where we're kind of exploring these miracles that Jesus has done um, in and around the Sea of Galilee. And so last week, we had an awesome opportunity to hear um, Pastor Gary McIntosh. He came all the way from Oklahoma to, to minister to us and just talked about the, the progress and the... Um, the, the development that happens in your walk with Jesus and some of the, the, the practical things that go into that. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check that out, definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, and then today, we're going to jump into, uh, back into our sermon series, um, and we're going to talk about the story in Mark about how Jesus calms a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And so 
Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just jump into the word here. We're going to start. Our, our biggest kind of chunk of meat here is going to be in Mark um, chapter 4, verse 35. So I'll give you a minute to get there. Um, and I think they're going to have the scripture behind us here. But I'll just start with this. We'll read it. And it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, he took with them, he took him with them in the boat, and just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's just open today with some prayer. God, we just, we thank you for your word this morning, God. We thank you that, um, that there's something powerful about it, God, that every time that we get into the word, that, that something new is revealed to us, God, that, that every single day um, that we pursue you, God, that we seek you, um, that you give us something new, God, that you're challenging us, that you're inspiring us, that it's, it's a progression as we walk with you, God. So today, I just pray that as we dig into this story, God, I just pray that we would, you, would, you would reveal something new to us, God, that as we're, we're applying it to our lives, God, that we could, we could see you in this story and, and, and how you can show up in our own lives today, God. And just, I just pray that the words coming out, God, would be your words um, and that this morning, God, you would just be changing hearts and changing lives. We love you, and we, we, we just give this time to you, God. We, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we get really into the meat of the story here, I just want to give a little bit of background on what's going on in this story. If you're like me, I like to kind of know a little bit about what's going on in the story in context of, you know, kind of the, the meat of, what's, of the story itself. And so, little background here is that we're, we're taking this passage out of the book of Mark, but it's actually um, given in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. So there's three times that the Gospels kind of talk about this story. Um, Mark happened to be the first book that was written historically. So it was, they, they believe that it was written between 55 and 70 AD. So this would have been a couple of decades after, after Jesus was crucified. So we're, we're talking really, really, in, in, relatively speaking, really, really soon after, after Jesus um, had died. And so we believe that the author is Mark, and Mark was very close to Peter. He would have had, um, he would have been, his, he was Peter's um, transcriber. So we would, have, we would have seen Mark and Peter be pretty close. And, and so we actually believe that a lot of what's going on in Mark is some, some firsthand account from Peter. And so in this story, where, where, where the setting of it is really on the Sea of Galilee, and I think we've got a map of the Sea of Galilee. So this is kind of what it looks like. And again, um, you know, I grew up in church, read this story a number of times, and I, I, I feel like I always thought the Sea of Galilee was enormous. I don't know why in my head it was just this, and I think in the story, the context, it seems like it's this really big body of water. In reality, it's actually this 
kind of relatively small, at least for us Midwesterners who have big lakes all over the place. It's a relatively small body of water, and it's about 11 miles lengthwise, and then right at the biggest part, it's, it's about eight miles. So, um, so it's, it's, it's not that big in comparison to some of the, the, the Great Lakes and some of the lakes that we see even in Wisconsin and, and, uh, and Minnesota, Illinois, this kind of Midwest area. Um, but something that's really unique about the Sea of Galilee is that it's this place that's known to produce storms. So people at the time would have known it, um, and it has to do a lot with the location of the sea in its surroundings. So it's kind of set low in the middle of all of these hills, and so the, the mountains kind of surround it. And because of that location, it's known to produce these massive storms that would just kind of suddenly pop up in, in these violent storms. And so I, th I think there's something significant about that. And I, I, that's something that I want to kind of just touch on really quickly as, as we, we get into it, is that the Sea of Galilee became a, this, this significant place for Jesus in his ministry. And we're exploring all of these miracles that Jesus has performed in and around the Sea of Galilee. And I think what's, what's cool this, mor this morning as we're talking about this is how Jesus seemed to perform so many of his miracles in and around the Sea of Galilee, this place that's known to produce storms. So as we're thinking about this morning, maybe just ask yourself, where, where is that Sea of Galilee for you this morning? Where's, where's the place that's known to produce storms? Really think about that for a second, because I know we've all got them. Pastor mentioned it. We've, we're all go we've got storms. We've got hardships. Think about this morning, where, where is that Sea of Galilee for you? Maybe it's your work. You just, you know, as soon as you walk through the door and you, you meet with that one coworker, storm's coming, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's school. Um, maybe, maybe it's even your home. You know, as soon as you walk through the door, you, you mention that one topic. Or you, you have a conversation with that one person. And you just, a storm's coming, you can feel it. Um, something I want to just encourage somebody today, and I, I just, I feel like somebody needs this encouragement, is that we serve a God that knowingly and willingly shows up miraculous in places that are, are known to produce storms. Amen? So we're, we're seeing all this, how God, this is almost this preferred location that God has to perform miracles. He wants to show up miraculous in the places that are known to produce storms. So if you're going through a storm this morning, be encouraged in the fact that in knowing that God wants to meet you in your storm because he knows that we can't do it on our own there, right? That becomes his preferred location to do miracles. And so as we kind of jump back into this story, um, so we see Jesus and the disciples, Peter included here, they're ministering in a place called Capernaum. If you want to put that map right back, yeah, thank you. That'd be awesome. So we see Capernaum at the very top, um, and this, this is where the, the story starts. They're, they're ministering in Capernaum, um, and this is a Jewish region, so it's right to the north side, northeast side of the, of the map up there, and um, this, it, it's, it's actually translated in Hebrew as the city of comfort. And so it kind of quickly became that for Jesus and the disciples and his ministry, kind of this hub, this home base, um, this city of comfort for them. And so 
Capernaum was actually the location of, you know, a couple of these miracles that we've explored in the past. So, um, you know, the healing of the centurion's servant. Peter's mother was healed there. Um, the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof was, was healed there as well. Um, just side note, um, Andy and Michaela Schultz preached on that a couple weeks back, just talking about how important it is for just community and, and surrounding yourself with people who will go the extra mile for you. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. They did a fantastic job. Um, but so anyway, all of these, all these miracles um, have happened here in Capernaum, and this is where Jesus kind of set up his, the home base of his, of his ministry. Um, and so they're traveling from Capernaum, and they're going all the way down to, well, the, the Bible says in this per, first part of this passage, it says they're going to the other side of the lake. Um, we see in Mark 5 where, we actually, where they actually end up, and it says that they end up in the country of the Gerasenes. And there's a little bit of um, spec- speculation as to where exactly that might be, but a lot of the consensus of um, theologians and historians is, is that it would be kind of right on the southwest side of the map, um, maybe kind of right, right around where Gadara is and a little bit further north, kind of in that area. So they're spanning all the way up from Capernaum all the way down to Gadara, um, the land of the Gerasenes. And they're this is a place that would have been Gentile region. So again, they're going from Jewish region to Gentile region. Um, and so that's kind of the setting of our, of our story. That's, that's Maybe keep that in mind as we're kind of traveling through that, just where, where we see the disciples actually come in from and where they end up. And I've entitled this message, The Significance in the Storm, because I believe that as you look at this, um, you know, again, we can, we can kind of look at this at face value, and it feels like it may be something to kind of gloss over. When I first kind of read this, I, you know, it kind of feels like this little blip that you kind of, you know, breeze over when you're reading the scripture. It's like, okay, they decided to go across the lake, and Jesus was there, luckily for them, because the storm popped up, and boom, Jesus took care of it. We're good to go, right? It's, it feels like kind of this... There's, there's something, it feels almost insignificant, but I think the more that you dig into the details of it, the more you can see that there's just some really, really um, inspiring details that the word puts in here. And so, um, this morning, the, the way that we're kind of exploring that is we're going to walk through the three eyes of the storm. So, if you know anything about storms, every storm has an eye, and the eye is where kind of everything revolves around. It's the center point. It's, it's where there's calm. It's where there's clarity. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to explore the three eyes of the storm. Um, and so we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Number, number one here is this. If you follow Jesus, the storm is inevitable. So I just, I'm going to say that again because I think it's something that we really want to take in this morning. But if you follow Jesus, the storm is inevitable. So we see here in verse 35 and 36. He says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. So notice something just to notice as we first kind of get into that piece of it. 
is that the, the disciples didn't prompt Jesus to, to go to the other side, right? This was Jesus, we see Jesus ministering to the people on the boat, and then Jesus kind of prompts the disciples. He says, let us go to the other side. So Jesus called them, and the disciples followed, right? Jesus called them to go out to the other side, and they followed him. Have you, have you ever been in the middle of a storm that you feel like somebody else has called you into it? Is that anybody here today? You, I, I feel like you know, most times I'm pretty good at taking responsibility for my own actions, but every once in a while you get into a storm and you're like, ah, it didn't really feel like I did that one, right? That's, so where that was kind of showing itself in my life at one point, we, my, my wife and I, when we were just dating, we, we ended up um, going up to her parents' cabin for, for a weekend and just enjoying some time with, with, with her and her family and our, her siblings. And we, uh, I think we were just maybe getting a little bit bored that day. Um, and so we decided, uh, actually, we, we were prompted by one of my brother-in-laws to, to, to go kayaking. So we, we were all pretty excited about it. We had never really gone kayaking before, um, but we had this idea to, to kayak down the river that was, was near um, my wife's parents' cabin. And so we all, got, we all got excited about it. My brother-in-law found out where we could enter into the river and where maybe whereabouts we could maybe get out. And he did some research on, on the, the, the kayaks, and he wanted to kind of plan everything out. So he, he gets the kayaks. We are, we're all excited about it. We, we, it's probably 10 o'clock in the morning. We packed a couple of sandwiches. We thought we'd maybe be, you know, still kayaking around lunch. And so we, we pack up all these things, and we kind of just get in the river. And so we're having a lot of fun at the first part of it. We stop. We go to the other, you know, one side of the bank, and we decide to have lunch. And it's already starting to get a little bit tense at that point. We're just, everybody's kind of, you know, I think to the end of their journey already with the kayaking. And so we decide all together, you know, maybe we'll, we'll hop back in just for a little bit longer, and then we'll be done. This, this will be it for this kayaking trip. And so we hop back in, and it becomes very clear very early on that we are not going to be able to just jump right back out from, from the, the river. This, there, we kind of have to follow the river's course down to where it's at. And so we're kayaking, and we're kayaking for hours and hours and hours, and we realize that I, I think if I did the math right, I think that we might have kayaked somewhere between 20 and 25 miles of, of river. It was it was intense, and so we were underprepared. We didn't, we didn't really pack water for that amount of time. It was hot. We were all sunburned. Our hands were hurting. Like, it, it was terrible. It was terrible. We, we ended up hitting um, some rapids that we had no idea that we were going to hit, and so um, we ended up getting into some fights, um, the, the couples that were there, and it, was, it just became this nightmare of a trip that we, not, we laugh at it now, but in the moment of it, trust me, we were not happy with each other. Um, and so there's this moment at the end of that trip where I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I don't, I don't really believe that I made the decision to, to, to get to this point, right? Like, how did we get here? Um, so now you have some context of something like that. Now, maybe we should have thought a little bit more and we should have planned a little bit more um, and and. Maybe next time we'll, we'll do that a little bit better. But what if, what if Jesus 
calls you into the storm. Then, then how does that change it? Because that's what we see here. What if Jesus calls you into a storm? Have you ever been in the middle of one of those storms? You're, you're maybe like, Jesus, I believe that I was listening to you. I, I, I heard where you wanted to call me. I followed you, and I stepped right into this storm, right? And so I was really challenged by this. And if you're, if you're okay with it, I would love to challenge you this morning with what I feel like God put on my heart. But the challenging statement that I feel like God kind of just put on me was this. Following Jesus will expose you to storms. Following Jesus will expose you to storms. Maybe you're in a storm right now and you're asking, why is this happening? Why, why, why would you allow this, Jesus? What? I, I feel like I did everything right. I, I, I was praying. I, I was fasting. I was thinking about you. I considered it. I prayed about this. And somehow I walked right into the storm. And I think God's saying to some of us today, where I go, you might encounter storms. So if you're, if you're going to follow me, you better be prepared to, to experience a storm. I think the Bible, so the Bible even promises it in John 16, 33. And it says this, I have said these things to you that in you, you may have peace because in the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he gives us this message of hope, hey, I've overcome the world, but that doesn't negate the fact that you will experience some, some trials. You'll experience some storms. So I think something just to, to chew on this morning Sometimes Jesus can be dangerous. Sometimes following Jesus can be dangerous, right? Sometimes Jesus is going to call you out of Capernaum. He's going to call you out of your city of comfort, what's comfortable to you, and he's going to put you into enemy territory, into Gentile territory, something that's uncomfortable for you. We, we see Jesus do this all the time throughout Scripture. We see him calling Peter out on the water, right? It's, it's uncomfortable for him. It's something that he's never done before. And Jesus calls him out and kind of forces him out of his comfort zone. We see, see it at the woman at the well. She, she, Jesus is kind of poking at her, right? It's, the fact that he was even talking to her was maybe probably uncomfortable for her. And then we see it with the Pharisees time and time again, right? Jesus is kind of all up in the Pharisees' business all the time, trying to kind of get them out of their comfort zone and to see that, that Jesus has got something different than what they're expecting, which is kind of the next challenging statement that we've got today, and that is that Jesus is more interested in your calling than your comfort. He's more interested in your calling than your comfort. If he's calling you from something that's comfortable, if he's calling you out of your Capernaum, it's because he's bringing you into enemy territory. He's bringing you somewhere that he wants to claim victory over. I think we, we, we get this idea sometimes that following Jesus should be easy, that we show up on Sunday, we get to, you know, shake hands, we get to say hi to each other, we get this awesome experience on a Sunday, we'll worship together, we hear an awesome word, we feel refreshed, and then we just, it happens again the next Sunday, right? I, I don't, I think reading through this, I'm realizing that that's, that's not what Jesus calls us to. Jesus is saying, if you want to make an impact on, on the kingdom of God, you're going to have to go places that, 
that expose you to storms. This was really challenging to me. I was telling Pastor Matt as we were, as we were prepping that I, I was, as I, as I, the, the Holy Spirit kind of put that on my heart, I thought, man, I don't think I have enough storms to say that I have, you know, I've really stepped out of my comfort zone. It kind of made me ask myself if, if, if you haven't encountered a storm in your life, if you haven't gone through something uncomfortable, I challenge you today, ask yourself, am I really stepping out? Am I really going where Jesus is calling me to go? Am I staying back in Capernaum when I should be going to do some work in enemy territory? And I think in the story, we view the storm as a negative. And in reality, without this storm, there's no story. There's no miracle. There's no development within the disciples. God, God isn't able to show himself through the storm without the storm being present, right? So this brings us to the point number two, and it's this, that the storm indicates the importance of your calling. Storm indicates the importance of your calling. As a precursor, I just want to put out there that your storm could be like Jonah's. So don't overlook that. If you're running from the calling of God instead of running to the calling of God, you should probably expect to see some opposition, right? You should expect to see some, some resistance. So don't overlook a storm that you, you might be choosing. You might be running away from God. If you've made some questionable decisions that have, you know, led you to your storm, I think God's going to meet you there because he cares more about your comfort than your calling, Right? So if we look back in Mark 35 through 36, we kind of see, you know, again, the, the, the main portions here. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. So for reference, Jesus has been preaching all day on the shores. He, a lot of times, they would, he would kind of go out on the boat and the, the, the crowds would gather around the shoreline and he would kind of acoustically be able to push out um, his voice and people would be able to hear him. So in this, in this context, we see Jesus kind of preaching all day and then he decides to call the disciples to the other side, right? My guess is that the last thing that the disciples wanted to do after sitting on a boat and, and preaching all day is that they wanted to take a joy ride across the Sea of Galilee, right? And I think... What's really interesting about this, they said Jesus called and they took him as he was. There wasn't a, a quick trip stop for, you know, dunkers and, and coffee, right? Some of you guys, I know it, some of you guys can't even go like two miles down the street without hitting up quick trip for a little something. Um, they didn't change clothes, no questions asked, right? There was something important that Jesus wanted to get them to on the other side that was time sensitive. And we actually see what that is. Um, in Mark 5. So Mark 5, verse 1, says this, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So immediately as Jesus exits the boat, he's met by a man that's, that's being tormented by unclean spirits. The, the man's demonically possessed. And so Jesus kind of calls the disciples out, 
not knowing, the disciples are not knowing what's going on on the other side. But Jesus knows that he's supposed to meet this man. In verse 6, it even says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran down and fell before him. He's, the man knew that Jesus was coming. He could see him from afar. And so Jesus, we, we, we kind of get this, this detail, this, this um, clarity within the scripture that it says Jesus clearly had a divine appointment with this man. He, he left Capernaum on purpose, crossed the other side in order to meet with this man who needed Jesus' help. He had, a, he had an unclean spirit. He, had a, a, he was possessed by demons that Jesus needed to help him be, be freed from. And now Jesus, he could have stayed in Capernaum. He could have stayed in some other Jewish region, right? As, he's, as God's calling him out to, to meet this man, Jesus could have been like, hey, um, I'm actually just going to like travel right down the road here. That's going to be a lot easier for me. But instead, he decides to go through the storm, knowing the storm was coming, all in order to serve this man. And that's challenging. That was challenging to me. Sometimes I, I'm inconvenienced by the littlest thing in my life and to know that the lengths that Jesus would go through in order to just, just touch somebody. So this is kind of the, our, one of our final challenging statements, but it's this. Maybe the storm that Jesus called you out into is the route to somebody else's miracle. Maybe it's the route to somebody else's breakthrough. Let's think about that this morning. The other side of that coin is that Jesus became a threat to the enemy. And when you're a threat to the enemy, you'll face opposition. So in Mark 4, 39, it says this. He says, he awoke, he awoke and he rebuked the winds and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the word he used, rebuked, it, it actually is a Greek word and it, it, it's pronounced, I'm going to try to do this right, epitimao. And it's actually the same word that, that is used in many of the accounts where Jesus is driving out a demon or an unclean spirit. So he's, when he's dealing with demonic oppression, he's using this word, epitimao. So Jesus is rebuking the winds and the waves in the same manner that he would rebuke somebody with an unclean spirit. And some theologians even believe that based on the context here in Mark 5, the story, you know, the, the, the location of the storm, that, that it actually might have been the result of some demonic oppression, right? While Jesus was en route to heal this man, someone was trying to stop him. The enemy is trying to stop him from getting to him. So if, if you're following the call of Jesus on your life, you become a threat to the enemy. And if you become a threat, you'll likely face resistance. Notice, though, that this doesn't stop Jesus from going. It doesn't stop Jesus from, from moving and calling out the disciples, calling himself out into the storm in order to meet this man. Why? I, I think the most important thing is that Jesus knew what his authority was. He knew that he could handle the storm, right? So that actually brings us to the third point, which is this. The storm identifies Jesus on a personal level. The storm identifies Jesus on a personal level. Mark 4, 37 through 38 says this. It says, The great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, 
and that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not even see what's happening right now? Do you, you're sleeping on the boat, and meanwhile, the storm is coming on, the, the, the boat's sinking, it's filling with water. I'm struggling through things. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm alone in it, and it, all through this, it feels like you don't care. I'm struggling. I'm trying to keep my head above water. Jesus, do you even care? I think sometimes we, we interpret God's peace and his own control, his peace and his, his knowledge of his own authority over our situation. We view it as abandonment, right? It feels like Jesus is sleeping on our boat. Remember, Jesus, you called me into this. You called me into this, and I step right out into a storm. Do you, do you even care? Jesus wasn't surprised by the storm, but he slept anyway, right? Because he knew the power of his own authority, the power of his own peace in the situation. And look at Jesus' response in Mark, Mark 4.39. It says this, And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. So Jesus wakes up, and what's the first thing that he does? Does he rebuke the, the disciples for waking him up? Nope. He handles the situation, right? For reference, right now, it's something that's developed in my age is that I, I do not like being woken up. I don't know why. It's, I used to be much better at it. My wife can attest to this. If, if you're waking me up in the middle of the night, it's usually not a good thing. Um, it happens to be that our kids are right at the age where it feels like their favorite thing to do is to wake me up in the middle of the night. And so Paige and I kind of do this thing where we call it like, a, it's like, it's almost like emotional chicken where we lay in bed and we're both kind of half awake and we are just waiting to see how long the other one can, can wait until we, you know, anybody else been there? Um, so I th this morning I wonder how long the, sub, the, the disciples would have struggled before one of them got desperate enough to wake Jesus up? And then after, so, so they wake him up. Jesus meets the need. He shows up. He's got authority over sickness and death and deformities, but also creation and nature. He shows full divinity on, on, on display. And then he kind of goes after the disciples for a minute. And look, look closely, because I, I think there's a specific reason why he did it. Mark 4, 41, it says, so 40, he says, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they said to each other, they were filled with great fear. They said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this that even the, the wind and the sea obey him? They, they'd been following Jesus for a number of months. They watched him do all these miracles. Remember all those miracles that we talked about in Capernaum. They're watching him heal people from, from the dead. They're raising people from the dead, healing sick people, healing deformities. They're seeing him do all these things. And they, they didn't even really know who was on the boat with them. 
Who then is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? I think it's important. The miracles seem to be different to them at this point, right? The disciples, they had seen Jesus do things for other people. They had seen him show up in other people's needs, but this time it was on their territory in their time of need. They needed Jesus to show up in their, their moment. And I think sometimes we're, we're sort of in the same experience, right? We, we've been following Jesus for months and years, some of us maybe decades, and we don't even really know who's on the boat with us. I think Jesus will often use storms in our lives as an opportunity to reveal himself, right? If we're too busy focused on the storm, we, just like the disciples, we miss out on the revelation. We miss out on who Jesus is. He's trying to reveal himself in the storm. But if we're too busy focused on the storm, we miss the revelation. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? So in summary today, what I, what I really just want to take away from this passage, from this story, is that I want you to know that when you follow Jesus, a storm is coming. Expect it. I want you to realize that Jesus not only has authority over the storm, but he might have called you into it. He wants to fulfill your calling on his life. He wants to refine you. He wants to use you to show up miraculous for somebody else. And then the third is this. I want you to allow Jesus to get into the middle of your storm with you. He's not afraid of it. He wants to meet you in it. He wants to reveal himself. But if you focus on him instead of the storm, you allow him the opportunity to do that. So maybe this morning you don't, you don't really know who's on the boat with you. And maybe, maybe you've been like the disciples and you've been following Jesus for a long time now and you, you want to get to know him personally. You want Jesus to show up in something that is going on in your life right now. Come and receive. Come, come down to the altar when we open it up. Maybe you need a breakthrough this morning and you're saying, Jesus, I just need you to reveal yourself to me. I need to experience you personally. If that's you, come to the altar. Maybe, maybe you don't have him in your boat at all this morning. And if that's you and you want him to be, can I just, can we just, every, every eye closed, every head bowed, if this morning you're saying, I don't, I don't believe that Jesus is in the boat with me, but I want him to be. If that's you, on the count of three, can you just, just raise your hand? Thank you. Jesus, I want you in the boat with me. If that's you, just let's just pray this prayer together as a, as a, as a group. Jesus. I'm tired of doing it on my own. Jesus, I need you in the boat with me. God, even in the middle of a storm, God, I know that, that 
You want what's best for me, God. God, I, I give up my own control and I give it to you today, Jesus. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, we're so excited. We're pumped that, that you made that step this morning. And please, if, if you can, find somebody, pray with somebody, tell somebody about, about what you did this morning. But as, we, as I close, what I would challenge you to do is just apply this this morning. Consider it in your life. Come up to the, to the, to the altar this morning and respond to what Jesus is, is doing in your heart. Receive from Jesus this morning. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you.